Hi, and welcome back to the Teach with the Heart podcast. I'm your host, Linda Cardamus, and we're here to give you the ideas and inspiration you need to overcome your teaching challenges and make a lasting difference in your students' hearts and lives. Today, we're going to continue a conversation we started a few weeks ago when we talked about that common line of thinking and teaching that says, if I want to be a good teacher, I have to put in the time. And we, if you remember, we talked about how we do have to put in time to be good teachers, right? It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort. It's not something you can just throw together last minute. But the point of our discussion was to realize that there is a point where that starts giving you diminishing returns and can even cause a lot of problems. If you're putting too much time into teaching where you don't have time for rest, you don't have time for your family, um, and it's just really taking up everything, it's taking too much of you, you can end up overwhelmed, exhausted, it can make you less effective, and you could possibly even burn out. So it's really funny because right after I recorded that episode, I came across a book by Christopher Ash, and the book is called Zeal Without Burnout, Seven Keys to a Lifelong Ministry of Sustainable Service. And this book is actually written primarily to pastors to address the um, how so many pastors end up burning out. But it also applies to any type of ministry. And I certainly believe that teaching is a ministry. It is our service for the Lord. And I, I think, so I, w- I was immediately intrigued. Um, both for myself and for you, to see what this book had to say. And I ran onto Amazon, I grabbed the ebook, and honestly, I finished it in one evening. Um, it was a really quick read, so I definitely recommend it. If you want to grab the book, it's at teachfortheheart.com slash burnout. I link to it there. Um, but as I read it, I thought I definitely have to share this with all of you um, because it is so, so much common sense because it's biblical. He shares biblical reasons and biblical thoughts uh, to avoid burnout. And it's funny because after I recorded the previous episode that I was just mentioning, I thought, man, I think this is some really good stuff, but I kind of felt like something was missing. And so I'm really excited to come back and bring more of the spiritual and the biblical dimension to this topic. So the first thing that we have to get out of the way, though, before we can get into the nitty-gritty, is burnout is often something we think will never happen to us. In fact, almost across the board, right? I don't think anyone, well, it's very rare to think, you know, I bet I'm going to burn out if I work too hard. Um, we get to a point where we maybe realize, oh man, like this this is going to happen. Um, but we, the point is you don't want to wait until you feel like I'm I'm burning out to address this problem. If you wait that long, I'm not going to say it's too late, but you've already gone way further than you want to go. You want to address this issue now so that you avoid burnout. And more than just avoiding burnout, you also want to be your most effective self. And like we talked about in the previous episode, if you as a teacher, teaching is a job that requires a lot of energy. It requires um, a lot of passion and you, we are going to be more effective teachers if we have energy, if we're not overwhelmed, we're going to be better teachers for our students. And so that's why this should be a priority in our lives, whether you think you're going to burn out or not. All right. So that's, that's the first thing. This applies to all of us, um, regardless of how things have been going for you. I love these principles. 
Okay, here we go. So as I said, we everyone needs to be concerned about burnout, especially if you spent the whole school year working crazy hours with only the hope of summer keeping you sane. You especially need to be concerned about this. But like I said, these principles apply to everyone. Whether you felt overwhelmed or not, these are great principles um, to keep in mind. The other kind of preliminary thought I have, though, is occasionally there's an objective. So one objective, I'm sorry, objection to the the concept of burnout is, well, I'm not going to burn out. We already talked about that. The second objection, though, is, well, why not burn out? Like, isn't this a worthwhile cause? Like, shouldn't I give everything to my students? Shouldn't I give everything for Jesus? Like, you've, you know, why not burn out for Jesus, right? Aren't they worth it? Doesn't Jesus call us to sacrifice? And this is a good question because Jesus does indeed call us to sacrifice. But as Christopher Ash points out, there is a big difference between burnout and sacrificial living. Sacrificial living is a way of life. It's sustainable service. Burnout, though, when that happens, it starts to have a detrimental effect on everyone around us, right? It harms our family, our friends, our students, our coworkers who have to pick up the slack. It harms everyone around it. So there is a big difference. I guess that's my point. And it's kind of the point we were making last article too, is to distinguish between burnout and sustainable service um, and sacrificial living. So it being a teacher takes sacrifice for sure. There's just no way around that. But we need to find a way to sacrifice without burning out, without it taking too much, uh, like taking the big enough of a toll where it's affecting our work, it's affecting our family in a negative way. Does that make sense? Uh, I love this example. Christopher Ash actually gives an example in his book, and I'm just going to read it because this is really helpful if you're having trouble finding this distinction. So it talks about a firefighter. So here's what he says. As a firefighter, obviously you have to push yourself physically when fighting a fire. It's a stretching experience that is uncomfortable and physically difficult. You have to know your limitations while making the sacrifices needed to get the tasks done that must be done. It's foolishness to ignore your limitations, try to be a hero, and cramp up, pass out, or have a heart attack while in a burning structure because you're beyond the limits of what God has supplied you with the capability of doing. It's a form of heroic suicide that is counterproductive because now you're no longer effective in fighting fire and the resources that were dedicated to fighting the fire are now dedicated to saving you. Do you see that difference, right? So we are sacrificing, but we can't go beyond our limits and push it to the point where now we're draining resources instead of being able to add to it. So... um, How do we do this? How do we find, as Christopher calls, sustainable sacrifice, a self-giving living that God enables us to keep on going, keep on giving day after day? So that's the goal. We want to find a place where we can keep on giving and keep on giving and not run out or burn out. So in his book, Christopher Ash presents five truths to prevent burnout, and these certainly apply to us as teachers. The primary truth is God is God and we are dust. In other words, God can do anything. He doesn't need, you know, he can do anything he wants. We can't. 
We are just dust. Uh, We get into trouble when we think we can somehow be superheroes, that we can do anything and everything, that we're unstoppable, that we'll never run out of energy, or that maybe it's that we think, it's not that we don't think we'll run out of energy, we think that we can keep going regardless of our energy level. We can just, like, we're the Energizer Bunny. We can just keep going and going and going. But that's not true. The truth is we are just dust. We are fragile. We are temporary. We are mortal. Now, the wonderful truth is that despite our weakness, God wants to use us, but we can never rush ahead of him, forgetting how frail we are, intent on making this happen by our own efforts. And see, that's what typically is happening when we push ourselves too hard. We're typically taking on responsibility that's actually not meant to be ours. Um, It's only God's. You know, we forget, for example, his divine power to intervene in our students' lives. We think we have to fix it all ourselves. Uh, We assume that, you know, God needs us to do this, this, or that. That somehow his work wouldn't happen without us. And I'm not just talking about Christian schools. I'm saying even in a a public school, you you have this student and you feel like it's totally on me to, like, turn the student's life around, to fix it. Listen, God has called you to minister to that student, to work in that student's life, um, to do the things that you can do, but it is his work. You know, only he can truly change this student's life. And we have to be careful not to take on more than God has given us um, to try to, like I said, almost put ourselves in the place of God and say, I have to make this happen. We can't forget that God is in control. So it is such a humbling and a freeing reality to realize that God actually doesn't need us at all. He allows us the privilege of working for him and of seeing him work through us. But we have to remember that he is God and we are just dust. So because of that, here come the practical truth. So that's the that's the truth we have to keep in mind. Here are numbers two through five are going to be super practical. So number two, we need sleep. <laughs> All right, God does not need sleep because He's God, but we need sleep because we are just dust. Um, you know, in particular. This applies in a few different ways. Um, first of all, it applies to just the simple truth. You've got to go to bed. Um, when we, there isn't, everyone occasionally needs to stay up, grade papers or whatever it is, you got to finish something. But if that's habitual, if you're habitually going to bed at midnight and getting up at five, that is not sustainable. Um, it's, it's, and it's not, it, you're, you're headed towards burnout. Uh, you can't do that next year. Okay. So God So that's one aspect. You just have to prioritize sleep. Um, It's not being a hero to ignore your sleep night after night after night. That's being the firefighter running into the burning building who's about to collapse. So don't do that. The other aspect of this needing sleep is sometimes we lose sleep because we are stressed and anxious and we can't turn off our worried mind. And it's interesting because the Bible actually talks about this in Psalm 127 too. It says, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. So God clearly calls us to hard work, but did you notice that he rebutes anxious toil? So that's the thing, that anxious toil. Um, are we worried? Are we, are, we, are, we work, are we staying up so late because we're worried about these things because we're just like, we, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. Um, and just ignoring the reality that God designed our bodies to need sleep and that it, we're supposed to follow um, that order that God has given us. So like I said, an occasional necessity, that's one thing. But if we're habitually going to bed too late and getting up too early, we are going to be exhausted, which means we are going to be less effective and we 
very likely at one point, if we don't, if we keep this going year after year after year, um, we are going to burn out. All right, so number one, we must remember we are dust. Number two, we need sleep. Number three, we need Sabbath rests. Now, we could debate whether or not the Old Testament requirement of a Sabbath transferred over to the New Testament and it's actually a requirement. But if we're doing that, we're actually missing the entire point. And the point is that in the creation week, whether it's a law or not, in the creation week, God established a pattern, six days of work to one day of rest. We all know this, right? God didn't need that rest. God doesn't need to sleep. God is God. He didn't need that rest. He did that to establish a pattern for us. And so what what about us? What about you? Do you take a day off each week? (laughs) You might be laughing right now. Yeah, right. I'm not talking, right? Because Saturday doesn't count. If you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off, cleaning your house, running errands, trying to accomplish everything you didn't have time for during the week, right? That That's not a day off. It's a day off of school, but it's not a day of rest, that's for sure. Um, you also can't count Sunday if you spend the entire evening planning and stressing about school. Um, or incidentally, if you are involved in so many ministries at your church that you want to laugh like a crazy lady when someone calls Sunday a day of rest, okay? So... God designed us to need a day of rest and refreshment. So this is something that I think is really hard for us as teachers. And I know the prevailing thought in the world is that Sunday, Sunday night is the time when teachers like buckle down and like get to work. And like teachers are typically working on Sunday night. We're worrying about the week, getting everything ready. And like I said, I'm not telling you this is a Bible command not to do that. I really don't know if that's the best idea. If you could take, I'm recommending Sunday because it's the most practical day. You could try to do Saturday, but if you could take Sunday and truly make it a day of rest, ask yourself this, what would have to happen in order for me to truly take Sunday off as a day of rest? Now, yes, you might go to church, right? I go to church Sunday morning and Sunday night, but I feel like Sunday is still a day of rest because I purposely don't open my computer Um, You know, don't check my work email. Um, You know, just don't do any of that. And even when I was teaching, I did not spend Sunday evening getting ready for the week. The week had to be ready on Saturday. Um, Ideally, the week was ready. Actually, here's how I planned. I typically tried my very dead level best to get everything ready for the following week by the time I left school on Friday. So in other words, all this week, I spent getting ready for the next week so that by the time I left on Friday... Ideally, the whole next week was ready, and next week I was getting ready for the following week. And so if I didn't, then I'd have to take something home to work on over the weekend, but I worked on it on Saturday, not Sunday. I'm not saying this, this is, once again, this is not like a hard and fast, you can never break this rule, but ask yourself, look back over the past few months of the school year and ask yourselves, you know, man, habitually, how many Sundays were really days of rest? And how many Sundays was I working, you know, all spending the whole evening stressed and, and, and you know, worried and planning all these things? And, and really, I spent most of the day working instead of resting and refreshing and, um, you know, spending time with God and all those things. So, like I said, ask yourself, what would have to happen in order for me to take Sunday off? And think about that over the course of the summer. And, um, 
And really, maybe next year can be different, right? Next year, you can have that goal of saying, I'm going to try to take every Sunday off. And if, like I said, if you're thinking, man, I have no idea what I'd have to do to make that happen, um, this summer, Angela Watson, my friend, is hosting her 40-hour teacher workweek club. And that is an incredible program that is super helpful. So many practical tips. If you're thinking, like, there's no way I can, you know, not work on Sunday. I don't know how that's possible. Um, she has so many practical tips to help you get things be more effective and so many strategies to help you um, pare down your workload while being more effective than ever. So we'll link to it in the notes at teachfortheheart.com slash burnout, or you can head directly to teachfortheheart.com slash 40hourteacher. Um, so there's that to help you, but also it's really more just a frame of mind, right? So there's a the practical aspect of like, how do I do that? But it's also a choice of just saying, I'm not going to do this. So that means maybe that means Saturday's a little more hectic, right? Um, I think sometimes what we do is we like, we make Saturday because we don't actually have a day off to actually whew, rest. We like try to intersperse these little rests. Like Saturday, we think, okay, I have these 10 things I got to do, but we end up just lying on the couch because it's just like, oh, I just can't. I'm tired. But it's not really a day of rest because we feel guilty the whole time, right? Or because we we do do some things, then we waste time on the couch. What would Saturday, wouldn't it feel so much different working really hard on Saturday if you knew you're rewarding yourself with a complete day off on Sunday? Like, um, that would be so different. Um, That would really make a difference, wouldn't it? So before we move on to our next point, just one word to those of you who are involved in a ton of ministries on Sunday, okay? One of two things needs to happen or you're going to burn out. One, maybe you are involved in too many ministries. Too many ministries equals burnout or not doing all of them effectively. You can't do, you can't be a teacher, a great teacher, teach a Sunday school class, work a bus route, sing in the choir, um, you know, play in the orchestra. You can't do all of these things well. Um, something's going to give. So maybe you need to trust God enough to let go of one of these. Maybe you should pray about that before, you know, to let go of one of them before school starts next year. Or possibly, um, you could make your Sabbath rest a little bit different. Um, maybe it's half a day sun- Saturday, you know, maybe from three o'clock on to the end of the evening and then from, you know, three o'clock on, you know, and then, you know, Sunday after church at two o'clock on to the evening. So you can modify this if you need to, two half days off. I don't think that's as effective. Um, but if you need to, you know, if you work, if you have a ministry at church that's pretty draining, uh, you could do something like that. Okay, moving on. Uh, So number one, God is God. We are dust. Number two, we need sleep. Number three, we need a Sabbath rest. Number four, we need friends. So it doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. God designed us all for fellowship, not only with himself, but also with others. So we are very unwise to try to go it alone um, or to push aside our friendships because we're too busy. And that's one thing in particular in the summer. Take this time and rekindle some of those friendships. But also, um, you know, vow to yourself, I'm not going to totally let them fall by the wayside during the school year either. I'm still going to make them a priority when I can. So not only do friends encourage us, but our friends and spouses count as friends too, right? They should be the ones that are helping keep us in check. So when a friend or a spouse says, man, you're working too much. 
we need to heed that warning and make some adjustments. And I think this especially applies to spouses. If you have a spouse that's saying you're working too much, you're giving too much, sometimes we tend to respond to that with, well, you just don't understand. But we really, they know us. Um, they know us well. They're, they're probably seeing the toll that it's taking on you, on your family. Uh, and I would not brush that aside as they don't know. I would take that really seriously and pray about it and think, man, are there, is, is there a way um, for me to um, implement more of these things to put more boundaries around my time, to set, to take that Sabbath rest, um, to do some of these things? Um, so don't ignore those warnings. Definitely heed them. And finally, number five, we need inward renewal. Uh, the Second Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. So our bodies are dust, but our inward spirits have been made alive in Christ. And because of that, we desperately need the Holy Spirit constantly renewing us, renewing our hearts and our lives. And this can look like so many things. And it's interesting because sometimes we think of renewal in like these complete like two camps. Like one, there's spiritual renewal and then physical or mental renewal. So on the one hand, and I'm making, if you could see me right now, I have my hands on the opposite sides of the desk. So on one side over here, um, we have spiritual renewal. So that's church, Bible reading, prayer, worship, right? Okay. On the other side of the desk, on the other hand, we have physical renewal. So that's rest, day at the spa, you know, reading, um, coffee, whatever it is that rests and refreshes you. And we sometimes tend to look at them as like two separate things. But it's interesting that Christopher Ash actually says, listen to what he says, I'll just quote him. He says, I think it is a mistake to consider renewal by the Holy Spirit as separate from renewal in our embodied well-being, our bodies, our emotions, our affections, and our thoughts. Times of quiet, enjoyment of beauty, the experience of refreshing exercise, stimulating sport, wonderful music, wholesome reading and conversation. All of these can at their best be God's handmaidens to spiritual refreshment as they combined, as they are combined with hearing afresh the promises of God in the gospel. And I love that. And I, I think he's on to something. So the key is to prioritize activities that refresh and energize us. To not, here's the thing, we tend to view them as luxuries that we wish we had time for, right? Yeah, right, I don't have time for that. What if we stopped viewing them as luxuries or felt start stopped feeling guilty for them and started prioritizing them as necessary for inward renewal and to prevent burnout. And like I said, this is this is easy in the summer. I hope you have renewal activities planned for the summer. But this is not something that you can drop come August or September. This is they, they might have to lessen, but they've got to still be part uh, and habit and habitual throughout the school year. So I pray these truths are as helpful to you as they, as they have already been to me. But if you're thinking, and I'm sure many of you are, Linda, this sounds great, but I have no idea how to actually make this happen. 
I have two different resources that I want to recommend to you, and they're actually both part of our summer learning opportunities um, where we're going to grow together this summer. And you can find both of these actually at teachfortheheart.com slash summer. So one is Angela Watson's 40-Hour Teacher Workweek Club, and the other is Teach Uplifted. So real quick, Angela Watson's 40-Hour Teacher Workweek Club is a year-long program, and it is it will be powerfully helpful for truths two and three. So if when I said you need rest, uh, you need sleep, and you need a Sabbath rest, if you were like, that sounds wonderful, but impossible, uh, this, you need the 40-hour teacher workweek club. I'm not going to go into crazy detail about it, but this program is incredible. Uh, it has helped so many teachers shave three, five, 10 hours off their work week. When Angela surveyed her members and asked them, like, tra- they tracked how when you started the club, how many many hours were you working? When you ended the club, how many hours you were you working? The average difference was 11 hours. That is enough for a day of rest. That is enough for sleep. So um, you can check out Angela Watson's 40-Hour Teacher Workweek Club at teachfortheheart.com slash burnout or teachfortheheart.com slash 40-hour teacher. And then the second program I would recommend is Teach Uplifted. So this is helpful if you're in the friendship department and also inward renewal department. So if you're like, well, it's not so much the time, it's more, you know, that just I'm, I'm exhausted, I'm stressed, I have anxiety, then I hope you will join us in Teach Uplifted. So Teach Uplifted is all about deepening your relationship with God and learning to renew your passion for teaching by finding joy and peace in Christ, about teaching with that joy even when things are going wrong. Um, so it's a, it's an incredibly powerful program. I am so thankful that it's helped so many teachers. And once again, you can head to teachfortheheart.com slash burnout. Everything's there. Or you can head directly to teachuplifted.com. And before we go, please let me pray with you real quick. Father, thank you so much for these truths from your word about how we need sleep, we need Sabbath rest, we need friends, we need spiritual renewal. This is how you have made us. I pray that you will help us to embrace these truths. Help us to figure out what that looks like in our life, um, how to actually make that happen. And I pray that we will be drawn closer to you in the process and that we will learn to depend on you in all of these things. Help each teacher right now. I pray that you will guide them and lead them to the resources and the help and the conversations that will help them in this area. Help them have a great summer and a refreshing school year next year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys again so much for being here. Once again, all the notes are at teachfortheheart.com slash burnout. And we would love to have you in one of our summer learning opportunities at teachfortheheart.com slash summer. And those include the 40-Hour Teacher Work Week as well as Teach Uplifted. Do want to let you know real quick, um, I've mentioned this before, but I wanted to let you know that I am an affiliate for Angela Watson's 40-Hour Teacher Work Week program. What that means is that I've partnered together with Angela to help spread the word about the club. I loved it so much and I've seen how it's helped so many people. So if you end up going um, to one of these links and you end up joining the club, we do receive a percentage of the income at no extra cost to you. And that's a great way. Um, we, we thank you, those of you that do that, for helping support Teach for the Heart in that way. And if for any reason that makes you uncomfortable, you can just Google 40-Hour Teacher Work Week and find it that way. 
So thank you guys again so much. I pray you have a great and refreshing summer and that you can use it to have an even better school year next year. In the meantime, keep growing, keep striving. You really are making a difference.